0: as the Scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116. Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's Word. Matthew chapter 21, you go going to be turning over there this morning. Uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house. I mean that. Sometimes I just need to go to church. In fact, there have been times in my life uh, where I have just gone over to the church. Nobody there. Um, I've been in ministry since I was 18, 19, more or less. I mean, I was called to preach when I was 14, but I was in a, I guess you could say, a, a place or Positions, don't. it's not a glorified thing, so I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I don't want to say that I sound like that at all. I'm just saying I've been in a place of ministry for, for many years, and so I often had access to the church, a key or something like that. And I remember plenty, plenty of times when I would just need to hear from the Lord. There was times I'd just drive out to the church, nobody there, and just come and get down on the altar alone in the church and just pray, uh, and the Lord would meet me there, amen, because God's house is a sacred place. It's a sacred place where most of the good things that have happened uh, in my life, uh, have ha- many of those things happen in church. Not just, not just because of God, all the good things I have are because of God, but many of the good things in my life have happened in church. I was married in a church, saved in a church, amen, dedicated my children to the Lord in a church. I've been blessed in church, called to preach in church. Uh, I mean, most of the good things in my life that have happened to me happen in the church and so it is good especially in a time when maybe you might be feeling low or maybe you feel some heaviness or you might be struggling with this in your life or that in your life the place you need to go is church amen Amen. right here in this place this morning i'm looking for the lord to speak to us and and the lord has given me a message and i'll be honest with you this morning i feel nervous uh which i often do before i preach i always feel at least a little nervous but sometimes it's worse than others, and I'll be real with you. I feel nervous this morning, um, and it's probably because of the text we're in, maybe, or maybe it's just the spirit trying to teach me something. But y'all pray for me. I want to give you what the Lord's given me, and, I, and my prayer is that it would be a help to you. And in in my study this week, um, I, I have the opportunity to work with a online Bible college. I was teaching a class this week, and in some of the study materials I was reading, they referenced this passage for a, to make a point that this writer was trying to make about something and the Lord, uh, when, when I saw it, the Lord struck my heart, I had actually written down, uh, I've got a little spot where I'll keep a note if the Lord lays a thought on my heart, I'd actually quoted this passage and written a thought under it and the Lord took me to that and began to speak to me out of this passage uh, and, and I, I believe it's going to be a help to us if the Lord will help me to give it to you the way that He's given it to me in Matthew chapter 21. I'll tell you what I'd like to do, let's all stand together, uh, Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to read from verse number 23 down through verse number 32, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless the message this morning. And that, let me just say again, I'm very thankful that you're here today. I am. Uh, I, I count it an honor that the Lord would allow me to minister to you today, and hopefully you'll get some help from God. That is certainly my prayer this morning. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 23, the Bible says, "...and when He was come..." into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto Him as He was teaching, this is speaking of the Lord Jesus, and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I in likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, then or he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people. For all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. Well, that was a lie, first of all. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. He said to the second son, Likewise, which means he told him to go work today in his vineyard. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father, they say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that you might believe him. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that it is powerful, that it's quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray this morning, if you would, help me, God, to deliver this message with, with love and compassion. And help me, God, to deliver it with unction and power from the Holy Spirit. God, I don't have anything in me that's worthy this morning. God, that is, uh, that is able, Lord, to deliver this the way it needs to be delivered outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray now, if you would, please, God, help me. Use me as you see fit. and Help our hearts, God, this morning, I pray. Please, cut down to the core of us this morning and show us how we need You. We love You and we thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. In this passage, we have one of many examples presented in the Gospels where that the Lord Jesus would do something that He was often uh, uh, set to do, as was His norm. He would teach. He was a teacher. Amen. The Lord was a great teacher. Uh, in fact, He was such a good teacher that it was all, one thing was always clear when the Lord was teaching. He understood the material better than anybody else on earth. And the reason for that is because he was the author of the material. Uh, so to such a point that even when he was a 12-year-old boy, he was in the temple teaching the scribes because all those old men who'd spent their whole lives thinking about all these things and considering the written law and the oral law, God help us, that when Jesus showed up, he began to expound on it and they were amazed. Because he wrote it. Because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was him. He was the one that brought them the Word, he was the Word, and now he was there to teach them the Word. But as men often do, uh, they didn't like what Jesus had to say. They didn't like his exposition of the words that he had said, and they didn't, they didn't like the things he said new to them right there in that moment in that time. They didn't like what he had to say, and they didn't like the way he said it a lot of times. Uh, but here in this particular passage, as the Lord has come forward, uh, these men, in verse 23, the chief priests and the elders, they have approached the Lord, uh, and they have come to challenge Him on a key point. One that they believe to have absolute understanding and clear jurisdiction over, especially in the temple, and that point was authority. Isn't that right? Look at verse number 23. They came to Him and they said, by what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Essentially, they were saying, you're in our house. We're the scri- We're the ones who are supposed to be teaching. We're the elders and the priests. This is our house. It's God's house. Who told you you could teach here? And by what authority do you have the right to do so? Well, can we all just be honest with each other? No one likes to submit to authority. Human nature teaches us when someone tries to exercise authority over us that we should push back, rebel, right? Never surrender, never submit. There's just something inside a human that when somebody says don't, you want to do. And when someone says do, you don't want to. And, and by the way, you know what that is? Is It's the sin nature. That's, amen, y'all can say amen. The sin nature that was in Adam where Satan came to Eve and said, uh, thou shalt not surely die. You don't have to do what God said. You don't, have to, you don't have to stay away from the things God said to stay away from. You know what, uh, you know what the devil convinced Eve to do in Genesis chapter 3? Rebel. Is that not what he did? This is what God said do, and I think you ought to do differently. Rebellion. That's why the Bible tells us that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and that obedience is better than sacrifice because God desires for us to willingly submit to His authority. And I'm not preaching on that this morning, but I think it's very important that we all acknowledge the fact that as wicked as these elders and scribes were, we're just like them a lot of times. We are. We're just like them whenever whenever the preacher preaches the Word of God and it comes right down our row and we know that we're not doing what the Bible says and we reject it and do the opposite, we're like the elders and the scribes and not like Jesus in this, in this situation. We're those ones who don't like anybody telling us what to do. And you know what that really is, that sin that we're seeing there, the sin? Rebellion, you know what rebellion is really a root of? It's, it's pride. So, well what's pride? Pride, well it's, it's the original sin. It's the sin of Satan. It's the one, the big one that we've all got in us. Pride is the sin of selfishness. It's loving yourself, and your desires, and what you want over, what, over anything else and everything else in your life. Amen. We, you've seen people who will turn and walk away from everything in their life and all the responsibility just because they come to a point where they think, my happiness is the most important thing in my life. Well, can I tell you that my happiness is not the most important thing in my life. The most important thing in my life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And my happiness, by the way, is contingent on that. It's contingent on Him. Because happiness doesn't stand a light to joy. Amen. Happiness is how I feel right now. But joy is something that can be experienced even during times of suffering. That's why Paul said, I think myself happy to the king. Why he's standing there with chains on his arms giving a testimony to hopefully save himself from being put to death. Because joy supersedes just simple happiness. Pride is the sin of selfishness. It's the sin of Satan. It's what he did there in the beginning. You know what that is? It's the statement, we are our own gods. That's what, that's what Satan told Eve in the garden in verse 5 of chapter 3, where he said that God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That is the sin of pride, that I am my own God. I was on the internet the other day, and I came across some ad or something, and I saw this, this guy, I think he's a professional wrestler, I don't know what his name is, I've never heard of him before, but what stood out to me was this picture had above him this big banner, from a, it was a social media link, of this big banner on his social media and it said in huge capital letters, there is no authority but yourself. That is the concept of relativism. Relativism is this. Relativism is this. Live your truth. Y'all heard that? I need to live my truth. And you need to live your truth. Have y'all heard that? That's relativism. Relativism says this. There is no truth. You're not responsible or accountable to anyone but you. You live your life the way that you think it needs to be lived. You do things the way that you think they need to be done and you don't have to listen to anybody. That is the sin of Satan. He said, I will become like the Most High. He planned to go above God. You know what that meant? That he'd be his own God and yours. That's the desire of relativism. That's the desire of pride. To be your own God. That you have no authority to answer to but you. Amen. It's the sin of selfishness, the sin of Satan, it's the sin of self-service, it's the my for and no more mentality. It's that I want what's best for me, and my children, and my family, and if i got to let everybody else in the world die just to get for the people that I think are the most important in life, that's the sin of pride. Amen. Christ said that He had come to serve others. That's what He said. The Son of Man's come to be a minister, a servant. That's what He was. His whole life on this earth was given. The God of creation manifests as a human being given to serve others. That is not pride. And as these people come before the Lord, I imagine they had to stink of pride. Amen? He is standing in the temple, I want you to imagine, with people around Him teaching, talking about God's Word, answering their questions, explaining what this verse read that they just read. And here come these men with their chests puffed out and their chins back, and they've got all their fancy garb on, and they got the ephods and the linen and all that thing set up exactly like it's supposed to be. It said the priests were there. By what authority do you have to stand here today and teach? And who gave you that authority? In doing that, they were usurping their authority over Jesus Christ. But the reason they were doing that, and the reason they wanted to puff up and they had all the garb and they had all the they said all the right things and, and they had the right speech and they had knowledge of this and knowledge of that was because no matter what happened, they wanted their appearance to be spiritual. They wanted a spiritual appearance. Are y'all listening to me? That's pride. It's pride. And they wanted to appear to be men of God's Word, appear to be spiritual, religious leaders, but what they did not care one bit about was authenticity. I'm going to show you that in this verse. Let's go down through this passage real quickly. I'll give you the thought I think the Lord wants us to get and we'll be done this morning. First, I want you to see as they come to the Lord that they challenged His authority. In verse 23, they said it, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? The Lord's teaching about His Word. Concerning which, by the way, He's a a pretty good expert about His Word since He wrote it and said it. And when these men who thought that they knew more about God than God challenged His authority. By what authority doest these things? And who gave thee this authority? Well, First of all, I want you to see the funny part about this. The funny part about it is that they are questioning Jesus about His authority. And He's the Son of God. I want you to let that sink in. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when God goes down and creates all the world, and then He gets to man, He said, let us make man in our image. That the Son, that this this man standing right there in front of them, who's been speaking about the Word of God, is God incarnate, and they're asking Him who told Him He could teach on the Word of God. That's funny. That's silly. That's just silly, isn't it? We see things like that in our life all the time where somebody will come up and well, who told you, who died and made you king, or who died and made you boss, or who who asked you? And, And some many times when that's happening, the person who's saying that knows much less about it than the person they're talking to. Amen. And that's exactly what was going on right here. They knew nothing compared to what he knew. He knew the moment they were born. He was involved. Amen. John chapter 8, verse 18 and verse 19, he said this. He said, I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? And Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my Father. If you'd known me, you should have known my Father also. So when they were asking him, Who gave you the authority? You know who gave him the authority? The God of heaven. His Father. Not just his... Quote, Father, like he's our Father's, we're adopted in the family of God. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is one part of the Trinity, and it is awfully funny for them to act like he needs to check his uh, his credentials at the door. The fallacy present. Not only do we see a funny part they're asking, but it, it is an absolute fallacy on display. And you know what the fallacy is? It is their perceived authority. They believe that their perceived authority is greater than His powerful authority. John chapter 7, verse 45, these Pharisees and these wicked chief priests had sent some men to go and capture Jesus. And they returned unto them. They came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees. They said unto them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. They just had one little interaction, heard Jesus talking and said, man, there's something powerful about this man. But look what the Pharisees said. They answered, Never, and they answered them, and the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. No, they said, our perceived authority is better than his powerful authority. They said, because of our name and who we say we are, we deserve more honor and authority than he does when literally his words are filled with power. It's a fallacy. This is, they challenged the authenticity. I'm sorry, they challenged his authority. Look in verse number 24 of our text. He creates an arrangement for them. Jesus, by the way, Jesus is smart. He's not just wise in the Word of God, but he, is, he, he knows exactly how to handle every question. He's the best debater that ever lived. You can't catch the Lord on nothing. He's way too smart. He knows what you're going to say before you say it, because He can hear your mind while you're thinking it. So they were really dumb to think they could catch the Lord, and they kept trying over and over to the point that in the end, they had to make stuff up and get people to lie, and that was their only way to catch him, because they could never catch him on anything wrong. And here they are, they come to him, they, they question him. here's what Jesus said. I also will ask you one thing, which, if you tell me, I am likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Verse 25, the first part of verse 25, The baptism of John, which was it from heaven or of men? So he creates an arrangement here. His authority, I already told you, was powerful while theirs was only perceived, which becomes very apparent in the fact that he starts talking, and they all listen. Now, if they really, really believed he had no authority when he had said, well, then you answer me this, they'd have said, we don't have to answer you anything. Guards, get this man and take him out of here. But that's not what happened. He asked them a question. He said, okay, fine, I'll make you a deal. You answer my question, I'll answer yours. And guess what? They had to just listen And you know why I believe they had to listen? Because He's powerful. And They they can lie and cheat and steal and talk all they want to, but at the end of the day, they knew He's powerful. They They knew He was powerful. And he asked them, you tell me this, answer me this question about the baptism of John, and if you will answer me, he did not say if you answer me correctly. He said, if you'll tell me, if you'll answer me this one question, then I'll answer your question. John, His baptism, was it from heaven or was it of men? That's the arrangement. All you got to do. One or the other. This is not a hard question. It's a simple question. Is John's baptism from heaven or is it of the earth? Which means, is it from God or is it not from God? Right? Very simple question. We see he's created an arrangement for them. Then we see their cowardice is advertised. Look here at verse number 25, the second part of that, when he asks them the question about John's baptism, they reasoned with themselves. Isn't it interesting how people who are wronged only reason amongst themselves? Amen. They're not interested in getting any reason or any wisdom or any help from anybody else. They only reason amongst themselves. People who think the way they think. Amen. And can I tell you that's not wisdom? Saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. First, we see their reasoning that rather than obey the Lord's request, and rather than seek guidance from the source of all wisdom, you know, maybe the one who was just teaching so brilliantly on the Word of God, as he's done over and over and over again before them, maybe get a little bit of advice from him, or from somebody who's got some spirituality, they huddle up in a corner over to the side, what do you think, what should we say, do we... And they're reasoning amongst themselves. They're asking this guy and that guy. You know what they're doing? They're going to their, their, their buddies for advice. That's not a good thing to do. Seek spiritual wisdom. Amen. Can I just tell you it matters who you, go, who you go to for advice and reasoning? Isaiah 5.21 said, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And that right there describes the Pharisees if anything ever does. They thought they were smarter than God. Literally. We see their reasoning. Then we see right and wrong, because here's the thing. It's a simple question, and there's no middle ground. Is the baptism of John from God, or is it worldly? Which means, is it real from God, or is it something that man made up? A false prophet. Was John a prophet from God, who baptized in the name of God and sent from God, or was he a false prophet, only doing worldly and carnal things? I mean, there's no middle ground. He can't be both. It's a right and wrong question. But look at their resolution. Here's what they said. If we say it's from heaven, then Jesus is going to ask us why we didn't believe Him. But if we say it's from the earth, the people are going to get mad because they all think He's a prophet. Neither one of those things that they said reveal what they thought. Amen? The only thing they're considering... Listen. The only thing they're considering... Is the appearance of their answer. If we say he's from heaven, then Jesus is going to make us look like fools. And he's going to ask us why we didn't accept him. But if we say he's from earth, then all the people are going to get mad. And they're they're not going to accept us. And they're all going to rise up because they love John. And they're going to fight back against us. No matter what happens here, we're going to look bad. So you know what they do? They don't give an answer. They say, we cannot tell. The ones who just walked up to this teacher and said, you don't have the right to teach in our temple, are now saying, well, we don't really know if that's of God or not. Can you all see that? Can you see the absolute fallacy of what they're doing? And what, you know what Jesus did? Jesus knew that they wouldn't be able to give Him an honest answer. So He asked them a question with a very simple and honest answer to be given, that they would not give, and he knew they wouldn't because he knew their hearts. And he's already got the shell loaded and the gun ready to deliver the Word of God right to their faces the moment they give him this wishy-washy, middle-of-the-road, no-stand answer. Here was the answer. He was from God. Amen. And they knew he was from God, first of all. But Second of all, even if they didn't want to accept him and reject him, Then that's what they should have said, but they were too chicken, and he knew it. They were too yellow. They would have never done it. And their resolution at the end of the day was this it was more important that they appear to be spiritual than that they be authentic. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? They believed it was more important that they appeared to be spiritual than that they be authentic and actually spiritual. We see the Lord's retort immediately. He says, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. That's fine, big boys. Y'all want to come up throwing your weight around asking questions? I asked you a real simple one. You can't answer that. then I'm not going to answer yours for sure. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you something. And he said this, y'all are so spiritual. Look at them. They're so spiritual. What think ye? Look at verse 28. But what think ye? What do y'all think about this? Let me, ask you, let me ask you. Let me give you this example. You tell me what you think. I want to, I want to know what your, your personal, spiritual, professional you know, opinion is as a priest and as a scribe. What do you think about this situation? We see the Lord clarifies His answer. A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not, but afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. That's the Lord's parable. He gives them this very, very, I mean, just the most simple, concise. He don't go into a big dissertation. He says, you got, you got a man. He's got two sons. He goes to one son. He says, go work in my vineyard today. And the son says, no, I'm not going to do that. But then he repents and he goes, he does the work. But then he comes to the other son. He says, son, I want you to go work in my vineyard. He said, yes, sir, I'll go. And as soon as the master of the father's gone away, he goes back to doing whatever he was doing and never goes to the vineyard. And then Jesus said a very simple question. Which one did the will of his father? That's a simple question, isn't it? It's almost as simple as, was John's baptism from heaven or from the earth? But it's very simple. Only two possible answers. Son one or son two. He's not really putting it on that hard. Pick one, section A or number A or letter B. Letter A or letter B. Which one? It's a, it's a, it's a yes or no, back and forth. You've got a 50% chance here, guys. Which one's it going to be? That's the Lord's parable. Then we see their position. What do they say? They say unto him, the first. Obviously, it's the first. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of when Nathan went to David, and he told him the parable of the man with the sheep and how he had all these sheep, but there was a woman over there with one little lamb. and they went and to- took that from him and stole it and left him destitute. And he asked David, "What should be done to that man?" It's very similar to that. It's, it's a trick question. At the end of the day, that's what it is. It's a trick question. Because here's what Jesus is showing them. I've got the authority. Y'all can't even have the authority over simple questions. I've got the authority. Jesus has the authority. And they said, the first. And Jesus looks around at them. Verily. You know what that means? You're right. Absolutely. This is a true statement. Verily. This is true. It's verified. It's factual. And this is the truth right here. The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Well, that's a hard thing to say. They wouldn't have let them walk in the temple. No way. They wouldn't sit at a meal with publicans. In fact, that's one of the reasons they criticized Jesus. They said, he eats with publicans and sinners. They hated the publicans. They hated them. And the harlots, the the derelicts of society, the people who were just caught up in sin that they looked at as these lesser things. Here's what Jesus said them, they'll go straight to heaven before you will. You know why? There's one big difference. Here's the Lord's point the publicans and the harlots going before him because of their, their honesty. Here's what Jesus said. They believed John, but you believed him not. John came into you in the way of righteousness and you believed him not, but the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when you'd seen, repented not afterward that you might believe. Let me ask you a very simple question and, and this is the last point. Their condemnation is assured. Let me ask you a simple question. Why was the first son right, and the second son wrong. Here's the truth. Both of them did something wrong. The first son said no when he should have just immediately submitted. The second son said yes, but he lied in his heart. They both did something wrong. What made the difference is that the first son answered and said, I will not, but afterward he Repented. it. We all make mistakes. Everybody does things they shouldn't do. Everybody says things they shouldn't say. But the difference between one who obeys the will of his Father and one who does not is the one who repents. Verse 33, Jesus said, He's telling the publicans and the harlots to go in the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not, but the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not. See that? So there's what He said. Y'all are the second son who say you're godly, and say you're a Christian, and dress like a Christian, and talk like you're a godly person, but you are full of dead men's bones. Verse 45 of this chapter. He gives another parable for the sake of time. We're not going to look at it today. At the end of the chapter, after he has given them this example and then just gives them a second example to, to drive the same point home again. Verse 45. When the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. Really? I wonder how they perceived that. Maybe it's because he said, It's you. I'm talking to. You, ye, when you'd seen it, repented not. They have a better chance of going to the kingdom of God before you. I wonder which part made don't think he was talking to them. They perceived, oh, I think he's talking about us. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. The message this morning is this. When appearance outweighs authenticity. We come in here. Let me tell tell you all something. It's very easy for me to get up, take a shower, comb my hair, put on a tie, put on a suit coat, khakis, and look like a preacher. I can grab my big green Bible, stick it under my arm, walk around with it, I can take a little stack of gospel tracts. I can tuck them in this pocket and let them stick out real good so everybody can see them, and I can walk around like this so they're showing. I can put a little pin of the cross on my lapel. I can do all the things to look spiritual. And by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with a preacher looking like a preacher. And there's nothing wrong with dressing right and appropriately and modestly. I'm not talking about modesty. Immodesty is a sin in the Bible. I'm talking about trying to look apart that inside... You're not. You want everybody to think you're a Christian. You want everybody to think you're spiritual. You want to look like this and look like that. And you know how to do it. You know the part of the song to give one of those. You know the part of the message to say amen. You know how to, you're on Sunday morning, church starts, you're in there, and you're doing the part, and you're looking the part, and you're, you're presenting yourself with an appearance of a child of God. But inside, there's nothing. Do you know what you know how you know? because let me tell you this morning, I'm not Jesus. I can't read your mind. Thank God. Amen, thank God, I can't read your mind. Thank God you can't read mine. Because I'm not Jesus, and I couldn't be like He is. Thank God. But here's what Jesus said was the kicker. This is the kicker and this is the message. How do you know if someone is authentic or they're just putting on a show? What do they do with the Word of God? The Word of God came to their doorstep today. The Lord, the Son of God Himself, the Word of God incarnate, is standing in front of them and He's giving them a message. He's preaching, He's done teaching, and now He's preaching. Teaching is to expound on the Word of God to better understand it. Preaching is to cause a change in you. It's to drive the sin out. The wickedness out. And here's, here's the Son of God looking at them and saying, John came and he preached the truth and you rejected him. And if you were of God, you would have believed him and repented. And when Jesus said that, can I tell you that if they'd have said you're right, and fallen on their knees, and called out to God, and repented of their wickedness, he'd have received them. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. That Those that are sick, they're in need of a physician. He's the great physician. That's his whole thing, to be a minister, and a help, and a servant to men, to love them, to reach them. And here he has sent them for people who had a chance to repent. And there are publicans, harlots, sinners, Wicked, ungodly folk around him who he'd come in contact with, who others hated and mistreated, and they just looked down on them. And when they came around the Lord Jesus and he began to speak like he did to that woman at the well about how she had five husbands and the one she had now is not her own, you know what she did? She repented. He said, here came a man who told me everything I ever did. And she repented. The difference between authenticity You're real to that. You're real. Who you are is real. You're a real Christian who's really been saved and somebody who knows how to look like a Christian. What happens when the door comes to your doorstep? What happens when the Word comes to your doorstep? What happens when the message comes right to you and it addresses your sin and it addresses your faithfulness and it addresses your pride? Do you repent? Or do you There's only one reason they didn't try to kill him right there. You know why? Look, it's up on the screen still. They sought to lay hands on him. They wanted to so bad. They wanted to lash out at him because they didn't like him shining the light of the truth on their sin. But they didn't. You know why? Gotta look the part. They feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. We can't we don't, want to, we don't want everybody to look at us and think that we're on the wrong side of this. They think he's a prophet, so as long as they think he's a prophet, we can't move on him. Yeah, they feared him maybe because they thought they'd be a danger, but that's not the thing they cared about the most. The thing they cared about the most is looking spiritual. And you know when they moved on Jesus? Yes, it was when the time was right. But it was when they had managed to convince the people that they were right and he was wrong. They cared about the appearance, but not the authenticity. John chapter 3 verse 19. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. and Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Someone who is authentic. When the Word of God shines on your life, and the way you've been walking, the way you've been talking, and the way you've been living is darkness, someone who's authentic repents. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Can I tell you this morning, it don't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you don't sin, you don't make mistakes, you don't act like a fool. Guess what? I, I do all those things. We all do. All of sin come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. That there's none that doeth good. Amen. That our righteousness are as filthy rags. The best I can do is still falling short of God. And I feel God every day. But my goodness, what is wrong with people when we go to church and we look the part and we sound the part And we smell the part, but when the Word of God comes to our door, we reject it. When we do that, we're like the Pharisees. And in this sentence that Jesus said, I'd rather be a publican and a sinner than a Pharisee. Because one of them got to go in and the other didn't. Here's what it is. Your repentance reveals your authenticity. Their authenticity was measured, and their willingness to repent. So, where do you stand this morning? It's a simple thought, isn't it? Jesus brought it right to their door, right inside their their workplace. Gave it to them, chance after chance. He gave them two parables after giving them a chance right there to to just come clean in the end. He even told them it was them, and they never repented. And guess what? They are not saved. These are not Christians. These are not good guys who just strayed. They're lost. Jesus told them, He said, "You're whited sepulchers, beautiful on the outside, inside just full of dead men's bones. That the Holy Ghost wasn't in them. They'd never been. They were, they were as far from God as could possibly be." And God help us. I hope this morning there's not someone sitting here today who says, "Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I know when to raise my hand. I know when to sing the song. I know how to look the part and how to sound the part." But inside. Every time the Word of God comes to your doorstep, you just brush it away. You get angry, get mad, push back against God's word, love darkness rather than light, because it's repentance that reveals authenticity. Let's all stand. Its Brandy, if you could come to the piano, I tell you this morning, I don't ever want to be guilty of refusing to repent. Brother Paul, I know I'm saved, but i got things in my life and the, the Lord's been sending messages about it and I, you've been preaching on it and the Sunday school teacher's been teaching on it and I've been seeing it and I keep hearing it, but I just, I just had not done anything with it yet. I'll do it right now. Quit playing games with God. Quit toying around with God and saying, oh, it'll be fine, I'll do it tomorrow, it'll be fine, I'll do it next week, it'll be fine. No, don't, don't do that. God, God would, I guarantee you the Lord would have loved nothing more for those men to have repented, turned and joined his side. When Nicodemus came to him, I can tell you what, he wasn't hateful to him. He gave him the word of God and tried to reach him, and Nicodemus was converted. These men could have done the same thing, but they just cared too much about appearance and not enough about authenticity. No one looking around this morning for just a second. Let me ask you a question. Do you know that you're saved this morning? Do you know? Can you go to a moment in your life, a time when you were told by the Holy Ghost of God that if you died in your state, you'd go to a devil's hell? That you were lost in your sins and that you needed the blood of Christ to wash your sins away and to save you eternally? If you know that you're saved this morning, amen. But is there one this morning who would say, Brother Paul, I don't know that. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything, but I do want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand and say, Brother Paul, pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? I see that hand. I can tell you right now that the Lord Jesus Christ did everything to make a way for us. You can be saved today. Is there someone this morning right now who said, Brother Paul, I know I'm saved, but I've got some things in my life I need to deal with. Would you pray for me? I've got some things in my heart and my life I need to get clean, and I'm struggling. I see these hands. Why, why, don't you just, why don't you just step out? Why don't you just come down here and pray? Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. There's no greater rest than laying those fears, those needs, those failures in the hands of Jesus. There's nothing like resting in His salvation. There's nothing like being a Christian who's right with God, at peace with God. Why don't you come this morning and kneel down? i will be glad to meet and pray with you. There's others here this morning who'd be glad to pray with you. Now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. There's no promise of tomorrow. You got something you need to get right with God? Today's the day to do it. I'm going to pray. We're going to come to the end of the invitation. Let let me encourage you. Don't let the devil steal this moment away from you. Don't be like the Pharisees. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you Thank You, God, for Your Word. Lord, I thank You, Lord. for Thank You for Calvary. Thank You, God, for the Gospel. Thank You, Lord, that you, that you sent Your only begotten Son to die for my sins. Thank You, God, that You're true, that You're right. Thank You that Your Word is true. Thank You, God, Lord, that it's powerful. God, I pray this morning, God, any soul here today who does not know you in salvation, God, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day, God, that they would come to know you, Lord, that they would not let fear or pride or any resistance prevent them, Lord, from accepting you as their Savior. God, I pray for any here this morning, God, who have sin, unrepented sin in their heart, God, Lord, that they would turn away from that now, God, that they would turn toward heaven, Lord, that they would ask you to forgive them for their failures and their sins and. God, that they'd be like those publicans and those sinners, Lord, who looked on their lives and said, yes, Lord, you're right, I've got this that's wrong, and, and I've got that that's wrong, and they would repent of those things. God, help us, Lord, this morning, not to be in appearance. Help us to be authentic. God, help me, Lord, to be authentic. Help us, God, Lord, to see you in the Spirit and in truth. God, help us, Lord, to love you. God, help us to receive you. Lord, we need you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.